Let's it fly. Welcome to the Seeing Red Podcast. That's right, that's right. It is another edition here of the Seeing Red Podcast. My name is Troy Moriello, and I am your host, as always, bringing you up to date and up to speed on all things St. John's basketball. And it is a special weekend edition, Super Bowl Sunday edition of Seeing Red here. So if you're getting ready for a Super Bowl party, if you're driving to a Super Bowl party, if you don't want to watch all those pregame shows, if you're you know sitting and watching the pregame shows, you want to listen to something as well, if it's Monday morning and you're hungover from a Super Bowl party and you're miserable going to work, I hope that this podcast can be of some service to you in any way, shape, or form. Now, unfortunately, though, uh, it's not going to be the most positive podcast. That's because we are recapping a 91 to 61 30 point St. John's loss at Duke in a game that they were never really expected to win but certainly did not play uh, very well for a majority of this game for the final I don't know uh, 23 minutes of this game didn't really play very well but we are going to recap it uh, too too good to not to not too uh, too big of a game to not recap St. John's and Duke even though it was on a weekend we don't usually do weekend episodes we're going to do one here and it is a special episode like I mentioned um during the week because I have my father, Bill Moriello, on. He's going to join me and help uh, break down St. John's and Duke. I have him on, as I told him, not because of his analytical expertise, but because he is probably the only person in the world that is a St. John's and Duke fan. Uh, don't know why he's a Duke fan, but he's been a Duke fan his whole life. Uh, he's just one of those people. No no connection to the school, but he's a big Duke fan. And uh, I think he just does it to piss people off, honestly. Uh, big Duke fan, and he became a St. John's fan when I went to when I started going to school there a couple of uh, years ago. So he's a fan of both teams. He knows both teams well. He's going to help me break it down. He does a very, very good job. We already recorded the interview, so that's all set. And it's really good. It's about a 15, 20-minute interview. I think you guys are really going to enjoy it. It's, very, it's actually more analytical than I thought it would be to be honest with you and I think it ended up uh, it ended up being very well but you know my quick thoughts uh, before we get to the interview on that game definitely a disappointing result obviously for St. John's um they were 18 and a half point underdogs or 17 and a half depending on where you looked they were never winning that game like I said the concerning thing is that they fell back into some bad traits and poor traits that caused them to kind of fall into a little bit of a rut in Big East play you know, the, the hero ball on offense, the one-on-ones on offense, the isos on offense, not moving the ball long periods of offensive stretches, of not scoring, of not looking good on offense, struggling for, uh, to a, for a bit against the uh, three-point defense, which they, they corrected to an, to an extent. Um, but, you know, it was, it was more of the same things that we saw got them into a predicament where they've kind of fallen towards the bubble now which is not what you want, obviously. Um, and it really only happened for St. John's. They played a, a hell of a 17-minute stretch uh, to open that game. Duke threw a punch at them to, to, to open that game, hit a bunch of threes when they hit their first five field goals. Duke was not missing from the field. And St. John's, I'll give them credit because they took that punch and they stood up. And their best player, Shamori Pons, did not have a good game. He had his first half was probably the worst half of basketball I personally have seen him play in his in his uh, two and a half, you know, near three-year St. John's 
John's career. And St. John's was really right there for 17 minutes of that first half. What happened was, obviously, they didn't close out the first half. Uh, Duke basically did to St. John's what St. John's did to Creighton on Wednesday. They hit him with a run at the end of the half. Duke went up by 10 into the uh, into the second half. And at that point, when you're down by 10 against Duke at halftime, you're probably not winning that game. And obviously, it spiraled out of control for the Red Storm, really, within the first five minutes of the uh, of the second half in the last 15 were really just garbage time. Um, but, you know, there are some positives to take out of it, like I just mentioned, hanging around with Duke. The negatives are obviously, you know, too much hero ball, uh, too much ISO on offense. Pons, obviously his draft to- his draft stock is going to take a little bit of a hit, but a lot of that is Tyus Jones. You know, I, I think good, good defense beats good offense. You see it all the time, and Tyus Jones is if not the best defender in the country, definitely the best guard uh, defender in the country and definitely the best, one of the best uh, defenders in the country. And, you know, if you're going to beat Duke at Cameron Indoor, especially if you're a non-conference opponent, if you're going to beat Duke at Cameron Indoor, you have to play a near-perfect game or you have to get lucky like Syracuse did and have Duke be missing, missing um, who was a Cam Reddish, and have Trey Jones get injured. You have to have something fluky like that happen if you're going to beat Duke at Cameron Indoor or you need to play a near-perfect game. And St. John's had neither of those happen. Uh, Duke was at full strength. Duke is a team of All-Americans. They're an, they're an all-star team. Basically, they're probably the favorites to win the national title. And, you know, when they're playing like they did today, you need to basically play a perfect game to beat or like they played yesterday sorry you need to play a perfect game to beat them and St. John's was far from perfect as they usually are you can't expect them to be perfect and they they got their asses kicked there's no other way to put it um now the issue becomes does this does this you know does this linger this um this loss does it carry over does it bleed over into Tuesday night's game against Marquette and that's I think where we're going to learn about a lot about St. John's uh they've already made one statement against Marquette this year we'll see if they can do it again but you know the the key now is not letting this loss linger you know treating it like I said like an exhibition game and treating it like something that doesn't even matter obviously your biggest record is not affected to be honest your tournament status is probably not affected either so now Marquette is the game that's 100 times more important than this one that you need to deliver you cannot lay an egg against Marquette because the same thing will happen and then you'll be in some serious trouble but yeah, that's my uh, that's my quick thoughts on the game. Now going to uh, flip it over to our interview with my father. We will break down the game. I hope you guys enjoy that. Like I said, very very good interview with him. And uh, yeah, I'll be back on the other side to wrap this thing up. And uh, yeah, hope you guys enjoy the interview. Okay, so we're now joined by a very special guest. I mentioned that we were going to kind of do something special for the uh, for the Duke game this this Saturday, and that is having my father in here, our first ever in-studio guest. Uh, it's obviously very special to have him on because he is my father, and uh, thank you for joining me. Hey, no problem, Troy. Long-time uh, long listener, first-time guest. <laughs> so we're having you on, obviously, not because not of your expertise or anything like that, <laughs> but because you're probably the only person in the world who's a St. John's and Duke fan. That is true. So, well, first of all, who are you rooting for in this game? Because I remember last year when we went to the game, I wore my St. John's gear, even though they were on an 11-game losing streak. You wore, what did you wear to that game? I wore, I wore all my Duke gear last year. I do have to admit I was tossing 
sitting turning on that game. But <laughs> the fact that I thought they had absolutely no chance last year, I said to you, I, I got to wear my Duke stuff. <laughs> so, uh, so yeah, I did. I did. Uh, truth be told, I did root for Duke last year. But also, truth be told, this year, uh, as you could tell from me texting you during the game, I was 100% on the Johnnies this year. Mm-hmm. I was rooting for St. John's this year. I really okay. was. Now, now, you'll also notice we, we didn't really get into the game in person. We more did it over text because I wanted to save your, your takes for the right. show, obviously. Right. right. Um, for those of those for those who do not know you, uh, very loud, brash uh, personality, <laughs> yep. definitely opinionated about sports. Absolutely. Some may say that you've you'd say <laughs> that you've forgotten more about sports than I know about sports. That is true. So yep. I think we can trust you with with Absolutely. this analysis here. Okay. Yep. So uh, I'll I'll go first. Uh, Ninety one to, to sixty one. Duke just kill St. John's, obviously. I, I'm not, like, terribly upset about it, to be honest with you. I mean, obviously, we're going to break down St. John's more than we're going to break down Duke. Right. Um, I'm not terribly upset about it, to be honest with you. They, they played well for a 17-minute stretch. Right. Three minutes to go in the... And they, they, they played poorly for the final three minutes of the first half, and then the first five minutes of the second half. And if you do that against this Duke team, you're going to lose by 30. That's going to happen. Absolutely. Right. They they're able to. The problem is, you're right. If you have those little two or three minute spurts, you realize at the end of the first half they put 12 points up in two minutes and 40 seconds, mm-hmm. and that really was the game. And I think, like you said, not being upset about it is probably the fact that you watch those first 17 minutes and you realized they were going toe to toe with the number two team in the nation and a team that a lot of people feel is going to be the national champion. On the road, too. On the road, they were toe-to-toe. That was a 35-33 game with two minutes, 40 seconds left, and the ball. Mm-hmm. And they had the ball bringing the ball to court when Pons got it stolen. Mm-hmm. So for 17 and a half minutes, that team went toe-to-toe, and you watch them play, and there's flashes of you see just the immense talent that especially this starting five unit has. Mm-hmm. The, the I guess that what's, that's what makes it a little bit more frustrating, too, is that you can see that they can... Not I mean, they play with Duke, so they can right. play with anyone in the country for certain spurts of a game. But Absolutely. it's putting together the whole game, which, aside from Marquette and I would say Creighton this week, they haven't done at all this season. No, 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 they really haven't. And and what happens with somebody like St. John's, if you're playing a game yesterday like they were against Duke, when you get behind or you get these little mini runs, there's a little bit of a difference between St. John's going to hero ball and Duke going to hero ball. Duke going to hero ball is giving the ball to probably either the number one or number two pick in the NBA draft. Mm-hmm. Having Simon or Figueroa or somebody who are solid players, yeah. but having them try to do hero ball does not work. Mm-hmm. Does not, And I think that's what happens to St. John's, and that's where they have these problems. We've We've talked about this a lot of times watching these games. They get behind or teams make a little run, and the next thing you know, they dribble the ball down. One pass or no passes, whoever happens to have the ball across half court launches up a three-point shot. Mm-hmm. And then the next thing you know, five goes to 10, 10 goes to 15, and then they're, and then they're battling the rest of the game. Mm-hmm. And I tweeted that during the game. I said, I said, you know, they were never winning that game. They were, what, 18-point underdogs. They were right. not winning that game right. yesterday. But what concerns me is that in that first half, when they were scoring, I could probably pull up the stats, but right. they had assisted on like their first five field goals. Yep. They were moving the ball, absolutely. And then when they fall, in, they fall into this rut. Not really at the end of the of the um, first half. That was more just some bad passes and some right. dumb turnovers. Yeah, turnovers. But the first five minutes, when Duke started to make that run to put the lead to ten, to fifteen, to twenty, right. It was just one dribble up the court, shoot a three, or dribble up the court, one pass, mid range jumper, or like it was too much one on one, which they fall into too much. 
for a team this talented should not be falling into those traps so much. Absolutely, because if you if you really look at it, for the most part, when they put their regular starting five out there, they, all five of those guys can score the basketball. Mm-hmm. They so I understand Pons is the main guy, but. It's just like, you know, falling into a trap that, you know, Seton Hall does with Powell and Marquette does with um, Howard, with Bow- you know, where, you know, they just say, you know, hey, you take 90% of the shots. I understand those guys go, but St. John sometimes gets that issue mm-hmm. with Pons and Pons sometimes does that himself. But the reality is you have five guys that can score. Mm-hmm. They have to move the ball a little better. And that's always been their downfall is we've talked about this for a couple of years now. They go into these offensive ruts. It happened against Seton Hall. Mm-hmm. It happened at the end of the game against Villanova, where all of a sudden, it's just like you said. They come across half court. First guy that has the ball's hand launches up a three or drives to the basket against three guys, mm-hmm. and that's what and that's what they really need to, to change. Is mm-hmm. it's more on the offensive end. Mm-hmm. So let's talk about Shamori Pons now. Mm-hmm. Uh, eleven points. All of them came in the second, second half. half. Yep. Uh, three of eleven field goals. Five turnovers. Four assists. Uh, minus thirty one rate. Uh, plus minus <laughs> in thirty five minutes. Uh, definitely not his best game. He got a lot of flack on Twitter for the game. I'm not incredibly upset. He, he didn't play well. Don't right, get me wrong. Right. In that first that first half, he was probably their worst player on the court, which he was. is shocking. <laughs> yeah, you told me. Yeah. You said with Pons off the court in that first half, they, they might they might they might have had. I actually believe with Pons off the court in that first half, they might have had the lead in that first half. I think that's how bad he played mm-hmm. in that first. Or half. or if he he plays he plays to his normal level in that first. They, half. Yeah, that's that's <laughs> they, a better way to yeah. point. If he just yeah. plays a normal a normal game, scores you know has his six eight points. He had I think I believe he had five or six turnovers in the first half. Yeah, uh-huh. five or six turnovers. And two two or three. I mean, to I mean, to compare that to obviously it is Duke, but Trey Jones averages one turnover a game, mm-hmm. one a game. Mm-hmm. He had five in the first half, Pons. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and like I said, a couple of them led to Zion direct dunks. direct Zion dunks. Yeah, and that's what. And when you're playing a team like Duke, that's that. that's yeah, exactly right because that's what they thrive on. Mm-hmm. You that's how they that's how they go from five point leads to fifteen point leads. Breakaway dunks by Zion or Barrett. It's mm-hmm. it's as simple as that. that mm-hmm. I've been watching them all year. That's what they do. Mm-hmm. But but Pons to an extent. I mean, that first half was bad. The second half was was a blowout. It was so all garbage time. Even, right. Yeah. Right. But a lot of that was just Trey Jones. Just, just he unbelievable. Yeah, you know, all year, all year, Jay Billis. Every time he does a Duke game, has just said, you know, he's the best guy. And you know, we always joke about, you know, when when a guy's announcing the games, somebody there announces always the best at something. I just have a habit of uh, doing that, uh, guys. Right? Uh, oh, this guy's the best rebound. Okay, uh, he's the best defensive player in the country. Mm-hmm. He he is he is amazing. I also think part of it was. I think Pons realized this was an opportunity for him, mm-hmm. and I think he just—I don't want to say—you know—I I tweeted to you during the game. You know, you—I think on one of your last uh, episodes with somebody you were speaking to, you had mentioned that the stage never seems too big for Pons, mm-hmm. or right, or the lights are never—and I—and I—and I tweeted to you, well, the lights were bright today because he's a deer in the headlight. Yeah. It looked like in that first half that that stage was too big for him. Oh. There were times where, first of all. I don't know why every time he was bringing the ball up, he he got right before half court, and next thing you know, he's taking 35 dribbles between the legs, mm-hmm. getting down in that crouch. Mm-hmm. I don't know what that was. And there were times where he was actually triple teamed mm-hmm. and trying to do things. I just think he thought this was an opportunity, and and, and I don't know to shine on the big stage, and and he just he just he just did not play well in that in that, think, in that whole first half. I think half. it was more so just just pressing than anything else. Because yes, because because Pons. 
he's he's not streaky, but I, I think you can sense with him when the first couple shots don't go his way, or maybe yeah. when the game's yes. not going, coming to him like he would like. Right. Sometimes he struggles with like pressing a little bit. So I guess that's what it is. Because I don't know if the moment was too big. Because we've seen him again do in big, big Villanova true. come through. True. So like that, I don't, that's I don't true. Know if that's yeah. the right. And and he did have and he did have I believe four or five assists in that first half. Yeah, he was playing. He had a like, couple. Yeah. So he was he was distributing the ball, but I think like like you said, maybe pressing in the sense of hey, I got to start scoring here. Exactly. The problem was, though, in, in that first half, towards the end of the first half, he wasn't scoring, and they were right in that game. Yeah. They, it was six, it was four, it was two, it was four. They were right there. So he you know, he should have took a step back and said, okay, you know what? Let the game let come to me. Which he's done a lot. Exactly, because there's been games, we've seen games, where, where you look at halftime, he's taking two shots, mm-hmm. and they're up ten at the half. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that's where he was pressing on, hey, I got to start scoring here more. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, once... Like I said, you know the problem is, you know that that lead went from went from two to ten in two and a half minutes, and they gave up twelve points, and you know he had a couple of turnovers there, yeah, and that exactly. was that was really the entire game. I mean, it was, it was a thirty point game. I understand that, but that entire game was the last two and a half minutes of that first half. In the first couple they, of, and, of the second, he, yeah, because they were because they were right. Yeah, they actually scored. He actually got fouled and made a couple of foul shots to start yeah. the second half, and it was an eight point game. Mm-hmm. And then it went from I believe eight, I believe it went from eight to like twenty. In four minutes, yeah. I think. I think yeah. it was like because there was a twenty point lead by the the under sixteen time exactly. <laughs> so right, and Pons yeah. scored, and, and and they cut it to eight. Yeah. So it was twenty from like nineteen fifty to sixteen minutes in yeah. like three three. Yeah. That, but that's Duke. That's just the way they play. Yeah. Yeah. That, that's them. So I mean, obviously. Nothing long term because I think St. John's will bounce back. I, I, do I too. tweeted it almost felt like an exhibition game. Right, this late yep. in the season playing yep. Duke on the road like this, it feels like right. it doesn't really mean. There was a nothing lot. when you play Duke when when you, you can't when, lose anything. Exactly, it's it's there's nothing but it's 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 either an up up. You lose, everybody says ah, you know what you're gonna it's, lose. It's Duke. You, it's exa- exactly, yeah. it's it's Duke on the road. So 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 long term, it's not gonna hurt hurt St. John's too much. The right. Marquette game is is the important Absolutely. game now of this road trip. Absolutely after Creighton. But for Shamori Pons, you were saying you thought his draft stock kind of took a little bit of a hit in this game. Well, I, I think that's valid. I, I think to a certain degree, I mean, you know, you can make the argument, you know, who's the best team they played, who's the best player he played. And you could say Duke and Trey Jones, and he was totally shut down. Mm. I just think, I mean, I, you know, I might have exaggerated in the sense of like nobody's going to draft him, but I mean, I don't think, like, if you ask me right now, if you ask the 32 NBA scout, uh, NBA GMs, who would you take? I bet you a majority of them would take Trey Jones from what he could do. Just n- maybe not scoring, mm-hmm. but the way he plays defense, distributes the ball, and is a true point guard. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, but I-, I think it did take a hit, though. Yeah. I don't think it, everybody's going to say, oh, there's no way he's going to play. Mm-hmm. But I think a game like that takes a hit because mm-hmm. he's playing against that type of competition, mm-hmm. and uh, and the kid shut him down. Mm-hmm. You know? I agree. Um yeah. Let's talk Marvin Clark for a second. He he had twelve points. He had I think he had three three pointers and then he had four field goals. But he hit three threes. I think in the first like, first two like, minutes. Yeah, the <laughs> yeah. game. Yeah, he had twelve points with like win like five in the first five minutes. Right, right. And then just got into foul trouble. Obviously, he only played how many minutes did he play? Uh, twenty. Well, he picked up a, he picked minutes. up his third foul in the first half. Yeah, correct, and then he right? picked yeah. up his fourth early yeah. in the in the second right. half too. Right, and then he was done. That's an issue for St. John's too. Is just just they they don't. It seems like they don't. I mean, the, the referees had some issues in this game as well. Right. But St. John's doesn't seem to know how to defend without fouling. Right. It, it Clark and Heron to an extent in, in the low post when they're when they're matched up with bigger guys. Yeah. It feels like they can't defend without fouling, which is a huge right. issue. Which is which is, which also I think, you know, 
part of it is we had discussed this yesterday how I told you right from the start I thought they should have went zone mm -hmm. and they did go zone they gave up the three wide open shots to begin uh, to begin the game uh -huh. and then they went out of it then they went back into it uh -huh. um, personally I thought they should have stayed here because I made the comment to you last night that Duke started out 4 for 4 and I believe ended up 7 for 26 yeah. so that means uh -huh. they were 3 for 22 yeah. after the first 5 minutes of the game mm -hmm. they are not the problem with St. John's is when they play that zone it just leaves themselves open to massive offensive rebounding opportunities yeah. because of that and that's and that's and that's where they do that's where they do get hurt uh -huh. now uh, where that can help hurt them with someone like Clark someone like that like you're saying they just with with the foul trouble things like that is I'm still not convinced in the Big East because I really don't think it's really hurt them in the Big East no, because no. you look at the big guys in the Big East, you know, the Hauser brothers are, are basically outside shooting guys. Yeah. Govan from, is it, is it uh, the Georgetown guy? Yeah, Georgetown. He, he's an outside, he doesn't really, so no. there's not really too many guys seating holes like and have any more guys. Exactly. Guys. So like it's Delgado not going to, yeah, yeah. You know, where it could hurt them obviously is, you know, not, you know, knock wood if they get a, to a tournament bid yeah. and they and their first rounder up against a team that has a front court of 6'10, 6'10, uh -huh. they'll get killed. But uh -huh. you worry about that down the road. But I mean, it, it it does, yeah. I mean, it does hurt them to a certain extent, you know, with the foul troubles. Because again, just like every other year, we thought going in they were going to have seven, eight, nine guys playing, and they're basically playing six and a half. Exactly, like, <laughs> so, like every year. Like every year. Uh -huh. Yeah, I mean, uh, we'll close out the game analysis with this. Right. But the 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 zone, they went to the zone early. Duke hit what the four threes right away. Well, the first three in the first, the first minute and a half, the, yeah. wide open so, threes. I mean. I mean I think that's I told you last night. I just think that that's what good teams do. When you're going to play zone against Duke, a Duke team that is historically bad at shooting the 3. Right. Good teams make you pay that make you pay for doing that. Right. And then in turn St. John's might be a little bit more hesitant to play that zone Which, because right. Duke is hitting their threes. Right. Which is and it's exactly what happened. He hit the they hit the first three. He backed out of it. But if you remember, he backed out of it and as soon as he backed out of it, I sent you a tweet saying stay in the zone uh -huh. because I I I watched I've watched every minute of every Duke game. They are not they're last in the ACC in shooting threes. Uh -huh. You had to make them... I mean, again, they weren't going to win the game, but I do believe if they stayed in the zone, it would have been, been a lot more competitive because yeah. they, they wouldn't have been able to run. You would have got breakouts on, on long rebounds, mm -hmm. and it just it's very hard... It's the same thing in the Syracuse game. When when Syracuse played that two three zone against now, now granted Duke was missing a couple of guys, yeah. but it was difficult for Zion and Barrett to get to the basket when you have three guys just standing in the lane, uh -huh. and that's what it was. And I think that's what I think from Duke's standpoint, I think that's what they're going to see even, in the tournament. They're going to see zones for St. John's. It's not. It's not. You know. Big guys playing, maybe Kata. Right. It's not, but it's still bodies in the it's, zone. It's, but it's bodies near the basket. It's 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 body. It's bodies which in there. Which you need against this guy like Zion. It, which is what you need because if you learn how to hold your ground against him, just like you know you you had said to me, if he gets touched, he gets fouled. But also the it also works the other way too. If you're standing there, he barrels over everybody. Yeah, he he's so that. big. He's he's basically a hundred pounds bigger than everybody that's uh, out there. Well, so well, he did that to, to Heron. In the yes, first in the first half, he, just, he didn't even like lower his shoulders. No, into and Heron just went flying. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Right. Um, so looking forward now, Mar Marquette's coming up. Right. Uh, I'm relatively confident that they'll play a nice game against Marquette. I think so, too. I think um, so, too. I, 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 I use this game. I said it once. I'll say it again. I use this game as almost an exhibition. Right. I don't think that it's going to have any sort of lasting impact. The only impact, like we talked about, could be on Pons' draft stock. But in terms of this season, I don't think it matters I don't at think all. anything. I agree with yeah, you. Like, cause I agree with you. They're still in a position where... 
were four and five in the Big East. If they, if, uh, John Rothstein said it last night. If they win that Marquette game, they're pretty much in the NCAA. Oh, I think so. I think the Marquette. Win, I mean, if Marquette they have two now is over Marquette. Marquette is is probably going to be. I don't know if any top ten teams lost yesterday. I'm not sure if they did, but Marquette I think was thirteen. Well, Michigan State lost. Oh, Michigan State lost, but they'll drop a little bit. They won't drop behind no, Marquette. No, no. But but Marquette is is 12, 13, somewhere in that range. I totally agree with you. Plus plus two, if you really look at it, the, now you're at you're, you still have half of the season left. But after the Marquette game, there's no more excuses because if you if you think about it, they have two against Providence, two against Xavier, mm-hmm. one against Seton Hall. Mm-hmm. Three of those five are at home. Mm-hmm. There is no Xavier is a 500 team. Mm-hmm. Providence got smoked by DePaul yesterday. Yeah. Seton Hall has lost six of the last seven games. Mm-hmm. They're coming back to reality. Mm-hmm. There's no reason at all. Just just those five games why they shouldn't win four, which exactly. would get them to eight wins right exactly. there. Which exactly. you got Villanova at home. Villanova at home is another opportunity. You know what? Play a close game because mm-hmm. as we saw. The way these ranking systems are now, you know, you play Villanova at home and lose lose an 82-79 game, that's positive. Exactly, it helps you. Mm -hmm. So the opportunity is there to win games. And like I said to you, unless you're telling me, unless you're telling me that they're only going to give two bids to the Big East and only give, and which I just fail to believe because I've seen too many things I mentioned to you yesterday, too many things with teams like Indiana and Nebraska who are 3-7 and seven and 3-8 and eight in the Big Ten, not a, Indiana had a huge win yesterday, but teams like Indiana and Nebraska going into yesterday with 3-7, and 3-8 and, and everybody had them in a tournament. Mm-hmm. And so it's almost like they're ignoring conference records. Mm-hmm. Go out, win four or five more conference games, they'll get a bid. Mm-hmm. Get, get the 20. And the other thing too is everybody in the conference has 12 or 13 wins. Mm-hmm. Other than, yeah. Yeah. you know, that's, yeah. I understand you want to talk about the schedule, but at the end of the day, a lot of these biggest teams aren't going to end up with 16, 17 wins. Exactly. Where they they should they could get to 2021 20, wins, mm-hmm. regardless of who they played. It's, it's still going to be 2020. Yeah. 20. It's going to still going to be hard for them to put a 16 to 14 biggest team in, yeah. as opposed to a, a, a 21 20, and 10 22 or 22 and, and 9, yeah. 8, 9 type team. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. Yep. All right. Well. Thank you for uh, for joining. Hey, me here. this was fun. Let's do it again. I, I enjoyed it. Yeah. And then maybe maybe if they play again in the tournament, we'll... if they play again, yeah, because <laughs> yeah. because with, with, all, with my with my luck, they'll they'll put St. John's St. John's and make a little bit of run. They'll put them in the eight nine exactly. game, and they'll, they'll play Duke, they'll which play which is what they were. If you remember a couple years ago, yes, yeah, so when they, they would have won that game. If they would have won, if they would beat San Diego State, they were playing Duke in the in, in the uh, in the next round. Yeah, so so that was that was a tough one for me. That would have been a, yeah. that that would have been a tough one. If the if the tournament game ends 91-61, I'll be a little bit more upset. More upset, yes, I think it would be. Yeah, cool. it will be. All right, thank you, sir. All right. Uh, Join it. Sure. No problem, buddy. All right. All right, take care. <laughs> Bye. Okay, we want to thank my father, Bill Moriello, again for uh, for joining me and helping break down St. John's and Duke, a very analytical interview, probably better than I thought it was going to go, to be honest with you. I thought that was very, very good. Um, if you guys enjoyed it, let me know on Twitter for sure. Uh, definitely make fun of him, make fun of his Duke fandom for sure. I'm sure he'll get a kick out of that. Uh, yeah, and I, I thought that was very good, so thank you again to Bill. Uh, looking forward now for some housekeeping. We're going to do a show. We're not going to do a rapid show, a recap show to Marquette. But we will probably do a recap of that either Wednesday or Thursday. So keep an eye out for that. That'll be the next episode of this show as well. As always, send your feedback and um, let me know what you think of this one. And I will catch you guys until then. So I hope everyone, if you're listening before the Super Bowl, enjoy the Super Bowl and the festivities that go along with it. And I will catch you guys later this week. All right. Let's go, Johnnies.